Welcome to Dig Deep. So for the last three weeks, we have focused on the root of transformation. We spent week one focusing on God's mercy. We saw that Paul started Romans chapter 12 with the word therefore, and then he said in view of God's mercy, because all that he's about to say stems from the source of God's mercy toward us. And then week two, we saw that the only appropriate response to that mercy is a life of worship, adoring him and offering him our lives daily because we trust him. Then we saw that as we bring our lives before him daily, he leads us away from the pattern of this world that leads to heartache and pain and emptiness and toward his ways that lead to life. And he transforms our lives by the renewing of our minds. He changes the way we think about everything and the way that we see the world around us. And then last week, we considered how that transformation allows us to sense God's will for our lives, both in the daily decisions and the big destinations of life. Now, Paul is going to transition to begin showing us a picture of what a transformed life looks like. And everything that we are discussing from this point forward this semester is an overflow of verses 1 and 2, a life handed over to God for transformation from the inside out. And today, Paul is going to show us that perhaps the most important foundational change in a transformed life is a change in how we view ourselves. So we're going to read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, 1 and 2 to give us some context, and then verse 3 is our focus for today. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So our question for today is how do we think about ourselves? Dale Carnegie, in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, claims that when we are not engaged in thinking about some definite problem, we usually spend about 95% of our time thinking about ourselves. Now, as far as I can tell, he doesn't quote a source for that number, but I don't think he needs to because, you know, that sounds about right to me. 95% of the time sounds about right. From the moment I wake up, my thoughts are usually pretty centered on myself. I need to go to the bathroom. I'm tired. Nobody talked to me until I have a cup of coffee. Before my feet even touch the floor, I am thinking about myself. Comedian Jim Gaffigan says that this is why gyms have mirrors, because he says, I want to look at myself while I work on myself, while I look at my copy of Self magazine. And maybe this is why we have so many phrases in our culture pertaining to our sense of self. We want to have a healthy self-esteem, self-image, self-awareness. We constantly evaluate whether we are self-controlled or self-indulgent, self-confident, self-sufficient, self-centered. We certainly want to avoid being self-effacing, self-harming, or overly self-conscious. And of course, we document the state of ourselves with the aptly named selfie. We spend so much of our lives trying to figure ourselves out and feel at peace with ourselves. And as Paul is beginning to paint the picture of a transformed life, he says it starts with our sense of self. Now, he doesn't say stop thinking about yourself completely. He instructs us to think about ourselves with sober judgment. I like to think a modern paraphrase of this verse could read, don't evaluate yourself while wearing beer goggles. You know what beer goggles are, right? No, do you know about the beer goggle phenomenon? This is 
if a single person spends an evening out at a bar looking for a date, she might end up giving her phone number to someone at the end of the night that she would have avoided like the plague at the beginning of the night. Just a few drinks can change how attractive someone seems, and there are many different versions of lenses or goggles that we unwittingly put on before we look at ourselves in the mirror. One example of this is what we talked about um, earlier this semester. Without realizing it, we are prone to think the worst of someone else when they make a mistake, but then when we make that same mistake, we are quick to excuse our own behavior. That's just one example of viewing ourselves without sober judgment. See, I believe we're all born with a strong tendency toward self-preservation, and that tendency will shape all of our interactions with the world around us. But that tendency for self-preservation doesn't just lead us to think too highly of ourselves. Sometimes it can actually lead us to think too lowly of ourselves. So when we do make a mistake or we sense that other people are unhappy with us, we punish ourselves for our mistakes and we frantically try to either reassign blame or make up for the mistake that we made. And many of us, I know I fall into this category, fall into the trap of oscillating between the two, thinking really great things about ourselves one minute and the next feeling like a complete failure. And so whether we're thinking too highly of ourselves or too lowly of ourselves, the problem is the same. We are measuring our self-worth against a faulty standard because we're measuring ourselves against the world's standards. Have you ever used selfie mode on your phone as a mirror? Have you ever done this? I know I have. If I think I might have something in my teeth or something and I don't have a mirror with me, there's no mirror nearby, I can, you can use selfie mode as a mirror. And that's essentially what a selfie is. It's a mirror. And we have a whole collection of filters and tricks and apps and angles that we can apply to create the best possible image of ourselves. And whether or not you actually take selfies, I believe we all do this every day just as we look at ourselves in the mirror. We gain our sense of self from the world around us and that always, always sets us up for heartache. Have you noticed that for every 10 accomplishments, if you have one failure, it's the failure that you can't let go of. And if you receive 10 compliments but one harsh criticism, you don't even care about the compliments. It's the harsh criticism that you cannot shake off. And Paul is introducing us to a new standard of measurement by which the renewed mind establishes sense of self. And it's faith. It's faith. Listen to what he says again in verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I really appreciate the way John Piper discusses this verse. He says, in choosing faith as the measure of the new self, Paul is choosing an absolutely unique act of the new mind. What is the essence of faith? He says, faith is looking away from ourselves to another. Faith is total dependence on another. When faith stands in front of a mirror, the mirror becomes a window with the glory of Christ on the other side. Faith looks to Christ and enjoys him as the sum and the judge of all that is true and good and right and beautiful and valuable and satisfying. 
Paul's saying we need to gain our sense of self by looking in the mirror of faith. And faith turns the mirror into a window by which we can see Christ. And that faith is a gift. It's a gift. Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The grace is a gift. The faith is a gift. And as John Piper says, when faith stands in front of a mirror, the mirror becomes a window with the glory of Christ on the other side. Faith looks to Christ and enjoys him as the sum and judge of all that is true and good and right and beautiful and valuable and satisfying. But this is so hard to do. It's so hard to do because it is so much quicker and easier to try to find our sense of self-worth from the world around us, from our accomplishments or from compliments people give us from our giftedness. In two weeks, we are going to talk about how God has gifted us all very differently, that he has given you unique and powerful and wonderful gifts that he wants you to use for his glory. But if we're not careful to do the hard work of this sense of self now, we will be all too prone to find our identity, our value, our worth in those gifts that he himself has given us. We are not meant to measure ourselves by our achievements, whether they're spiritual or worldly. We are told to measure our worth and get our sense of self through faith. And that faith is a gift. The renewed mind views self through the lens of faith. And I believe that's why Paul prefaces this really hard teaching with the phrase, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. See, I think Paul is acknowledging in that that our tendency is to get defensive when people try to shape our sense of self or try to tell us who we are. If any one of you lovingly came up to me today and put your hand on my shoulder and said, Jess, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, I would not love that. That would not be my favorite part of my day. And I think Paul is acknowledging that this is a difficult teaching. This is a difficult thing that he's about to say. And so he starts off by saying, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. He's saying, look, I'm in the same boat. I am sharing this with you as someone who has been saved and defined by God's grace in my life. And I'm telling you that grace received through faith is what should define us all. We are all in this together. And that faith allows us to think of ourselves with sober judgment. And so I want us to consider some practical ways we can do this, because this is difficult. This is going to be a daily exercise for us to find our identity in Christ and who he is and in what he says is good and true and wonderful and not in what the world tells us is valuable. And so some practical steps. The first is to read the Bible daily, but specifically to read it for a better understanding of who God is and who he says we are in him. Have you ever experienced the sobering power of smelling salts? Has anyone ever experienced this? Show of hands. Just a couple people. I never have, but Ben did just this past year. He was having a painful, it's not funny, it is a little funny. He was having a painful procedure done on his ear, and the pain was so overwhelming that he told the doctor that he needed a minute, and the doctor took that to mean that he was about to pass out, and so he cracked open some smelling salts, and Ben said, it was the most horrible experience ever. It was like being slapped in the face with the worst smell of ammonia, but times 10. 
and it definitely woke him up. And he was already not very happy with this doctor. And so I'm very proud that my husband exercised all of his self-control and did not punch the guy for cracking open these smelling salts. But that's what smelling salts are intended to do. They are intended to wake you up, especially after fainting or if you're about to faint. They wake you up. They sober you up. And when I look into the word of God, especially when I look into the word of God through the lens of who is God and who does he say I am, it is often a very sobering experience because I'm reminded of the harsh reality of who I really am. My brokenness and my weakness and my sinfulness are laid bare and it can be jolting and unpleasant at times. But it's in that exposed state that I realize my deep need for Jesus and in scripture find my identity in the grace that he extends to me in his love for me that I do not deserve. And when I'm fully exposed and fully known, but fully loved, my identity becomes more about who he is than about who the world says I am. Author Paul Tripp puts it this way, do you examine your character daily by humbly placing your heart before the one mirror you can trust, the mirror of the word of God? Or have you fallen into the habit of looking into the distorted mirrors of knowledge, experience, success, and recognition? See, the Apostle Paul knew the importance of this in his own life because he had a great resume. He had a long list of accomplishments. A lot of people thought he was really, really great. And in his letter to the church in Philippi, he lists off a bunch of those accomplishments, but then he ultimately concludes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Faith is that lens that needs to go over the mirror of how we view ourselves, and that faith is a gift. One of my favorite modern worship songs is Give Me Faith by Elevation. And I, I love the refrain of that song. And it is a prayer that I pray to God on a very regular basis. It says, give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life. Do you hear the identity exchange in those words? God, give me the gift of faith. You are good. You are trustworthy. I am broken. I give my life to you. And so that's the first practical step we can take. We read the Bible looking for truth about who God is and who we are because of what he has done. The second practical thing we can do is begin to carry that identity that is centered on Christ into the world around us. In the same letter to the Philippians, Paul gives us a specific example of how we can live our lives as people who find their identity in Christ alone. In Philippians 2, verses 3 through 11, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Did you catch that phrase, selfish ambition? Ambition of the self. Do nothing 
out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. See, as we continue throughout the semester, we are going to see that Paul has a lot to say about how the transformed life impacts every single one of our relationships. But some of the things that he's going to challenge us to do are going to seem impossible if we do not get this part right up front. When we look in a mirror, if we're actually looking through the window of faith at Christ himself, we will be reminded that our Savior took on the nature of a servant out of his love for us, and he calls us to do the same in our relationships with other people. And so a practical step, what this could look like for you and I this week is to pray the prayer, God, show me who you want me to serve today in love. And that may be your cranky toddler. It might be your husband, even though you've been on different pages for the last several weeks. Maybe it'll be your boss who's being unfair to you. Maybe it's a stranger in the grocery store. But ask God, show me who you want me to serve today in love. See, when we center our identity on Christ, on who he is and what he's done for us, then we will operate out of that identity in the world around us. All of our circumstances, all of our relationships will be impacted by who we believe we are. So when you look in the mirror and see the glory of Christ, how is it shaping the way you see the world around you, every one of your relationships, every place that you go, every circumstance? And as we close, I want to remind you that God's way is the way that leads to life. It is the way that leads to life. And so I want to remind you of just two ways that I believe practicing these things will lead to life. The first is that your relationships will work. Your marriage will be better. Your friendships will be richer. You will be a better mom. Even strained or completely broken relationships can be healed. And the second wonderful benefit to finding our identity in him alone is that we can step off the exhausting treadmill of trying to craft and maintain a self-image that we like. It's exhausting. It's exhausting, and it's never-ending, and it really isn't making any of us happy. But when we find our identity in him and him alone, in Christ and what he's done, we will experience freedom 
freedom to live without constantly needing to defend ourselves, to protect our image, to try to hide the broken parts of ourselves, we'll be able to live in freedom. His ways always lead to life. And so I'm gonna pray for you as we close. God, we need you, and this is hard. Give us faith to trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. God, I'm broken inside. I give you my life. God, help me to stop looking into the mirrors of this world to try to find myself, to try to build up a list of enough accomplishments or to capture myself in the right moment at the right angle to feel like I'm worthwhile. Help me instead to look at myself with sober judgment in light of who you are, through the lens of faith, which turns that mirror into a window. God, show us the glory of yourself, of your love for us that you demonstrated to us in Christ. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to take on the very nature of a servant, to rescue us and bring us home to you. May that be the faith that defines us and gives us our true sense of self. We are so grateful for your love and your goodness, God. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.